Welcome to Heat the Wrestling Podcast, and this is version 13. My name is Referee Tony S. Thank you so much for joining me wherever you may be. You can follow me on Twitter at Referee Tony S. You can follow the show at The Heat Pod. And if you have a question and would like for me to answer it on the show in future versions, send your questions into The Heat Pod at gmail.com. We are on all podcast platforms, and once again, thank you for your support. And if your podcast platform of choice does not have Heat the Wrestling Podcast on it, Don't just ask for it, demand it. And once again, thank you for your support, and please spread the word. Coming up, want to meet someone? You'll be introduced to Sean Silver of 98.5 The Sports Hub and the Boston Celtics Radio Network. Let's get it. Three, two... Ladies and gentlemen, I am here with one of my good friends. He's a sports talk host and studio host, in studio that is, for the Boston Celtics Radio Network for 98.5 The Sports Hub FM dial in Boston. He's the 6'4 menace from East Dennis. The Silver Fox, Sean Silver, is here. It is a pleasure to finally meet you and to talk to you, my man. Tony, Tony, it feels like we've been corresponding for a good number of years here. Hey, come on a wrestling podcast. Bring all your nicknames, empty out the, you know, what, whatever it is. You know, we'll have, we'll have Howard Finkel introduce me by all of my nicknames. Let the fans know who's really here, live and in the flesh. Well, you know, in the flesh, baby. So, oh, absolutely, absolutely. And, and like, and yeah, and to be honest, to be fair, what Sean is saying is completely right because we have been corresponding for what seems like forever mm-hmm. and we're just trying to find the right time, the right place to do it. And we decided, Hey, you know what? Let's do this. So I'm glad that he was able to take time out of his busy schedule, not wake up the young bucks and come here on the show. So let's get started and let's go into the way back machine. Let's go into the history books, the history books of Sean sure. Silver. Sure. Let's go back to when you first started getting involved in this crazy world of pro wrestling. When was the start? What are your early memories of getting influenced by pro wrestling? The genesis. So that would be, for me, the uh, fallout, basically the fallout from the Mega Powers exploding. I I believe I started watching wrestling in the summer of 89. Um, The first pay-per-view that as a six-year-old, my, my dad ordered for me was SummerSlam 89. So I, I could probably name every match on that card. If, if you, you ever play like uh, online the, the Sporkle? Oh, yeah, I've played that. And it's like, you know, you, you know, name all the NFL rushing champions or whatever. Yes. Like If you asked me to play the Sporkle and try and figure out all the guys who are on SummerSlam 89, I would get the whole card. Yeah, I didn't actually see the Mega Powers explode. My context was just the fallout from that and the Macho Man recruiting Zeus to take on Hulk Hogan and Bruce the Barber Beefcake at the Meadowlands. Yes, uh, in East Rutherford. In East Rutherford. Feel the heat. Yes. And, you know, Macho Man now, hindsight being 2020, is my all-time favorite professional wrestling personality. But, man, as a six-year-old, did I hate the Macho Man Randy Savage for what he was doing to... Hulk Hogan, who was you know, everybody's good guy. 
you know, I learned what the right perspective was to have on that whole thing there. But in 1989, <laughs> that's where I was at. To me, that was a very, you know, you're kind of post-rock and wrestling. It was a colorful era. It hadn't quite gotten as cartoony as it was going to get. Right. It still had some edge to it. Uh, my cousins were a big uh, influence on me. I, you know, I grew up on the same block with four other male cousins who we all still text each other every day talking about wrestling. Usually, you know, they were all older than me. I was the little kid who got to take, you know, the razor's edge and the tombstones and you put me <laughs> in the sharpshooter for seven minutes or whatever. But because they were older than me, I knew that they had experienced something with eighties wrestling that was monumental. And I just wanted to absorb that. I wanted to just, you know, learn everything I could about it and catch up. So that's basically where I was at in 1989. SummerSlam 89 with the oddly yet very effective commentary team of Jesse the Body Ventura and Tony Schiavone. Fantastic. <laughs> like, Jesse the Body Ventura, and I, and I knew it back then, one of the all-time, without a doubt, commentary personalities. And, and, and I would say in sports history, just... What a what a heel! Like what a heel on the mic, and uh, Shivani and Shivani was a perfect foil for that because he was he was little, you know. Jesse could berate him for yep. his perceived shortcomings. Like that was a perfect foil for Jesse the Body, which he did during the main event of SummerSlam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't you be cheering this Shivani, like. <laughs> It's okay to hit a woman. Yeah, like, like, what are you saying, Shivani? Right. Well, I'm saying, but Jesse, even you know, go back a couple of years. Jesse was one of the first. Obviously, he did the first WrestleMania, but even back then, watching superstars was a big deal, and Jesse was part of it, at least yeah. in the first couple of years of of that program and of course the saturday night's main events oh my gosh like i had this incredible romantic notion of saturday night's main event and you know if if you know me or have followed me and you know what i what i talk about on the air what i write about i'm a big nostalgia guy yes and, uh, you know, and I, I make no bones about that. That's, that's just me. You know, you want to step in the Wayback Machine with me, we'll go. If you don't, fine, don't read it, don't listen, whatever. Just the idea that this, this forum existed on Saturday nights where, of course, you know, as a kid, I'm like, of course, like, this must be on everybody's calendar. Right. For Saturday night to tune into wrestling and check out what's going on. And, you know, my dad would tape it. You know, we'd get the throw the VHS in, and and you started right out with a high profile match. And I, again, I remember like I I got I'm down here in what I call the foxhole. This is the basement at my home. The little ones are asleep two floors up. My wife is probably doing some work. She's a lawyer. She works very hard. I am uh, just beyond a wall where I'm sitting here. There's a two boxes of video cassettes that I cannot get rid of. It's all the pay-per-views for WWF from probably 89 to like 94 or 95 and just a bunch of Saturday night's main events. And I still throw them in from time to time. Like what a product. The, the first one I remember watching was October of 89. The first match was Macho Man versus Superfly Snuka. Yep. Uh, there was a Hogan DiBiase title match. 
They were building the Survivor Series with some of the other matches. Just Saturday Night's main event was fun. And again, Jesse the Body Ventura just gave it that main event feel. I just, I love the Jesse the Body Ventura catalog for, for WWF. It was a shame that he ever had to leave, but I understand there are reasons. Two things. First, shout out to Mrs. Silverfox. Absolutely. You, you, can I can I give you a quick one, Tony? Yes. So I had said to her, we you know, we had been dating a few years, and I had said to her, like, you know, let's go looking for rings. This is this is a number of years ago at this point. You know, let's let's look at some rings, let's see what you like. There there was a there was a feeling like that I was gonna ask her to marry me. And then one time we were out to dinner and I was just like, Hey, so you know, if I put a ring on your finger, will you watch WrestleMania four with me? And she was like, honestly, I would watch anything with you if, if we if we got engaged. I'd probably be really happy. So I asked her to marry me uh, Easter weekend in 2015. And then maybe about a week or two later, I cashed in. I was like, hey, let's sit down and watch WrestleMania 4. Let's watch the triumph of the Macho Man Randy Savage. Let's, let's see it with our own eyes. And she was like, okay, great. She had a number of glasses of wine probably to, uh, to get her through that experience of a how many man tournament for the WWF championship? A 14 man tournament. <laughs> but I think that, you know, she understood a little bit more about what makes me tick and she will sit down to watch the rumble with me or a few matches from WrestleMania. So props to Mrs. Silver. She, she has been an excellent wife of a wrestling addict for the last nearly six years. Which makes Sean Silver, ladies and gentlemen, absolutely perfect for this show. <laughs> um, that's a keeper. And first, congratulations to, to both of you because, you know, you have, which we'll definitely talk about later on, you know, your support system and your little ones. We're recording this on Wednesday night, so Valentine's Day is in our rearview mirror. So <laughs> it's only appropriate to give her a shout out here because this is going worldwide, man. Right. <laughs> so... You know, definitely shout out to her. And the second thing is keep your physical media, kids. Keep all of your physical media. I don't care if it's VHS, DVD, keep it. Now that I said on a couple of versions ago that WWE is stopping physical media. Yeah. (laughs) Keep all of it. It's crazy, too. You know, we were told for a number of years that the stuff that we had as kids in the 80s was all mass produced and it wasn't going to be worth anything. You look at the collectibles market now. I'm holding on to everything, man. I'm 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 riding it out. Oh, same here. I mean, in in my place here, I have I have all my DVDs. I have my Coliseum videos that I've had. I've still have those. I've got my wwf or wwe home videos i've got my box sets and i just have my amassed library on a couple of hard drives over here (laughs) so anything original and authentic keep it because wrestling at least in my opinion should be presented either as the way it is today or the way it was then yeah it's you know and one thing you see with wrestling is often the history gets altered or retold by the victors yes i mean that's that's just history in general right the the winner tells the story right but uh yeah if you can if you can have something that's original integrity there's there's a real value to that i will say that man i kick myself because i put some wrestling buddies in a yard sale 
put some uh, some Hasbro's in a yard sale. Oh. You know, uh, Take- I, I still have the ones that mean the most to me, but, you know, there was a point in my life, and, you know, I do believe that simplicity is important, efficiency is important, and I was just like, hey, what am I doing with these loose, you know, kind of marked up, <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> So I still have some Hasbro's, still have some LJNs, but the collection isn't as robust as it once was. So I, I, I guess I'm stepping on the point that you just made. I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I'm an example right here of someone who I got rid of something and I'm kicking myself in retrospect that I ever did. But to be fair, you kept your physical media. You still have all your VHSs, mm-hmm. and those I think are the holy grail right there. Even more so than the Hasbro's, because from the ones that you have from 89 to 94, you're going out of one era of the WWF and into another one. Yeah. So, and the fact that it's all reserved in its, you know, in its wonder you have from SummerSlam 89 to, to 94, I mean, there's a lot of gems in there. I mean, WrestleMania Nine is a completely different story, but you know, that's that's beside the point. I personally, yeah, I, mean, I, I love WrestleMania Nine for the audio purposes and Gorilla Monsoon in a toga because that's <laughs> that's that's tremendous. So we got through the earlier memories and the influences. We're a nostalgia, respective nostalgia podcast here, which I, I definitely agree with. But let's go into it. How did wrestling shape or define you as you were growing up like were you known like because i i certainly was like were you known in school as like the wrestling guy like (laughs) like no if it's anything wrestling related talk to sean he'll he'll tell you all about it like oh man like was that you (laughs) i was trying to live my life you know as an outsized character you know from a wwf superstars episode you know i i could have been like the mouth of the south shore i i never <laughs> i never shut up you know I, I talked way too much uh that didn't you know win me a lot of popularity contests there's there's probably a lot of things i did wrong uh <laughs> i mean but who, who you know who doesn't screw up when they're growing up right yeah no i you know i, I definitely hit a spot in life where i wasn't super popular i guess but i was still way into wrestling it was interesting you know kind of in that transitional period that you, you know, you talk about like WrestleMania nine, like wrestling began to get the quality went down. I would say like at least the WWF product was clearly going down at that point. And, you know, the popularity amongst my friends, it seemed like it was kind of going down, you know, that was at the point where I was just yearning for that golden age. So I was hitting up you know, Bayside video over in Yarmouth port because they had all the old Coliseum tapes and all the old pay-per-views. And at that point, you know, 91, 92, 93, when you're talking about the resurgence of Macho Man Randy Savage as, you know, reinstated into some great feuds, WWF champion, etc. That was where I kind of learned the backstory of the Macho Man. It was like the guy that I hated because he was after Hulk Hogan, who was the Golden Goose. Right. Wow, he had this just fascinating backstory with Elizabeth where he had been the man and you know, then he was, <laughs> then he kind of went through a period of turmoil and then he was back. So 
that's when I kind of poured myself into the golden age and like renting as many tapes as I could and kind of figuring out the history, you know, even going way back and, you know, Haystacks Calhoun and, you know, all the, all the seventies stuff and, and whatever, and just kind of getting my real foothold in the history of wrestling. I had a little period where it petered out there in the nineties. It revived a little bit during the attitude era, but that didn't sustain. I was, I was kind of out on wrestling for for a number of years but then kind of when i was out of college and living with friends we all identified that we loved wrestling not only the past of wrestling but you know what was going on now and that wasn't just you know your mass market wwe presentation that right. was going to roh shows that was going to indie shows that was you know meeting legends that we you know shared a, a mutual kind of love for so I wound up doing that a lot in my 20s, and, and that brought me back to it. And I really haven't left since. I've always found something that's been able to interest me with wrestling since. But, yeah, when I was a kid, like, yeah, I was, I was way over the top. I was out of control. <laughs> so, like, with my kids, I want to teach them <laughs> not necessarily, like, wrestling's fake. But <laughs> right. I, want, I want to teach them, like, hey, you know, there's lessons here. There's good versus evil. There's all this. But... You can't live your life like The Rock, 365 days a year. That's that's probably going to rub some people the wrong way, right? You know, tone it down a little bit because that was me as a kid. I was just way up. I mean, for me, I mean, I make no bones about it. I started watching wrestling in the summer of '93. Yep, and I was going to the local Honey Farms convenience store about three blocks away from my house at the time. Yeah. And I was with my grandmother, and I'm just walking around the store, and all of a sudden, I see a WWF magazine with Hulk Hogan on the cover. And it's Hogan winning the championship from Yokozuna at WrestleMania Nine. Was he on his knees in that one with the with the red pants? Uh yes, he was. Was he was celebrating the win? I I, I think I remember that have, having that uh that magazine. So and that was my first introduction. And wow. since then, whenever wrestling would come to the Centrum, as it was then, yeah, I had to be there. I had to go. WCW would show up and did Starcade 98 there. I had to go. When WCW did a Nitro there, I had to go. When the WWF made the transition of Monday Night Raw and they started using the Titantron for the first time, Mm. that was in Worcester. I had to be there. And so that's amazing. I was that kid. Oh, did you go to wrestling last night? Yeah, I went and this is what happened. This is what happened. I'd show up in school. I remember showing up in school with an NWO shirt on. I was like, oh, did you go to the pay-per-view? Yeah, I did. Oh, what happened? Oh, DDP did this and Raven did that. And Bischoff was supposed to fight Vince McMahon and that never happened. (laughs) (laughs) And so (laughs) that was, they pulled that stunt in Worcester. Yes. Go, wow! I see. I'd forgotten about the context there. That's amazing. Yes, Bischoff did an interview on Nitro, calling out Sean Waltman at the time, because mm. this was right after 
DX going to the show, I think it's Macon, Georgia, the yeah. show that uh, Nitro was running when they did the thing with the army tank. The tank. This was, I think, the Monday after. Bischoff calls out Sean Waltman, who just made the jump back to WWF. He says, I'm going to be in your backyard this Sunday. That's right, Worcester Mass. Got a little pay-per-view thing going on. You show up at Slamboree, it's going to be me and you, McMahon, in the ring, and I'm going to knock you out. <laughs> and that was supposed to be the Bischoff-McMahon fight. Yeah. And they had Michael Buffer introduce Bischoff and Vince McMahon. And, of course, you know, Bischoff wins by forfeit, whatever. But, yeah, that was in Worcester. And then, of course, the infamous, the infamous put-the-butts-in-seats-raw. That was in Worcester, too? That was in Worcester. When wow. uh, when Foley beats The Rock, thanks to Stone Cold. That was in Worcester, December 98. Man. Yeah, I, I remember watching that. I remember, well, hey, like everyone was in 98, 99, <laughs> 97, you know, what... Flipping back and forth between oh, yeah. Nitro that night and just being like, oh, really? Like, interesting. One, kind of my reaction to that, Tony, like, how quaint, you know, that time where you could put the idea out there that Vince McMahon would show up on Monday Nitro <laughs> or at a, at a WCW pay-per-view, that you could put that out there and there would be some sort of air of believability. Right. You and I have had conversations about this. Like, you know, we know too much now. It's... The access is great, you know, it's it's fun. Like I log on, you know, I know pretty much every day I go on some wrestling website or Facebook group and, you know, consume something. Right. You know, just the fact that you could suspend that disbelief back then is is so cool because the internet was new and you know, you were just kinda in the dark and you were okay with it. The the other part is, wow man, people may not give Worcester its props, but as far as like a wrestling city some serious shit has gone down there. Like, that's <laughs> yes. that's so cool. Let me tell you about a place called the Cape Cod Melody Tent. Because <laughs> because the Silvers, we didn't we didn't go over the bridge much. There were, like, other than for, like, school sports, I never got over the bridge, over the Cape Cod Canal, over to the mainland. My first wrestling card, I think, was at, like, the Orleans Senior Center or something. And I think, like, Chief J Strongbow oh, or maybe man. Jules or something, was fighting in a match. This is like 91, I want to say. And I feel like Moondog Spot was on the card. Oh. Very random assortment. That's about all I remember from it. But my first WWF, I, I say F because it was at the time. We can say uh, F here on the show. Yeah, yeah. We don't need to get the F out. No, absolutely not. No. <laughs> summer of 93, that, that summer that you know you were talking about with such reverence there. I actually did see my first WWF card at the tent in Hyannis down by the water. You know, it literally was a tent that they set up seasonally. There's a stage in the middle. If you go see like a band there or a musical act, the stage will spin uh, during the performance. It's quite fun. But now they set up a ring in the middle. It's maybe a couple thousand people there. I could tell you a bunch of the card, but the main event, Shawn Michaels, Mr. Perfect for the IC strap. What a freaking main event on Cape Cod in the middle of the summer. Crazy. Sean and perfect. Sean and perfect. But in terms of pay-per-views, in terms of that big-time exposure, that wasn't something that I got until later. And I knew my cousins had been to some shows at the Gardens. They showed me, like, 
you know, back in the day, like you take pictures of something, you get back the roll of film yes. and you know, half the pictures are terrible. Nowadays it's like, if the picture doesn't come out fine on your phone, you just delete it. But I remember like my cousin showing me pictures from when they went to the garden and saw like, you know, the conquistadors taking on the young stallions or something, oh. you know, something random like that. You know, also like Macho Man came out or Hogan came out. Or, and I was just like, whoa, that's so cool. You got to see them like in person. But yeah, there were some decent, decent little cards at the uh, the Cape Cod Melody tent with a couple thousand people back in the day. Man, you even you've missed those days when you just bring disposable cameras with you. Mm. You know, even at Backlash 03 when that was in Worcester. And that mm. was part of the disposable camera age where you take pictures with your disposable camera. You take them to CVS or Walgreens or wherever. And they'd process them and then you'd get them back. And this was way into the... You know, we hadn't hit the age, like you said, we hadn't hit the age where... You know, instantly everybody's holding up their phone. They can get high res photos there. Nope, got to bring them to yeah. CVS and Wal and yeah. Walgreens and and process them there. And got to wait. <laughs> so, for some of your younger fans, your, your younger listeners to the podcast, this is uh, this is what we had to go through back in the day. Yeah, and and ironically, people are still going through it. <laughs> and before we go to break, one last Worcester wrestling history nugget, May. The 5th, 2002, so May the 5th this year, will be 20 years to the day of the final WWF-branded event of any kind that was in Worcester. Unbeknownst to everybody that the name change was going to happen the next day on Raw. Sure. The main event was... Hulk Hogan and Chris Jericho for the Undisputed Championship. Oh my gosh. And Hogan wins. And, you know, it's WWF, WWF. The next night on Raw, Raw is in Bridgeport. Mm -hmm. And it's the Get the F Out campaign. It's WWE. The name change has already happened. And I'm sitting at home going, what the hell is this? This is not what I watched last night. Hogan is the champion. I remember that last night. What is going on? And yeah, the name change happens within 24 hours of Worcester being the last WWF-branded live event before the Panda Bears win their case and all hell freezes over and look where we're at now. So The corporate wheels were turning and once again... The fan was left in the dark, and they were kind of fine with that because you know that's that's how it used to be. It was, it was it was okay. It was. I had no idea about Worcester's standing as such a place for such history in in, in wrestling. That's that that is pretty impressive. That's really cool. I mean, when you, I mean, everybody will talk about you know the Boston Garden. You know when sure. Macho Man beats. Tito Santana for the Intercontinental Championship with Danny right. Davis in his khakis. That was a moment in the in the Boston Garden. The yep. infamous Survivor Series 93. Which, how did the WWF, with them going to Cleveland, what seems like every year for Survivor Series. Richfield. 
How, yeah, at, at Richfield Coliseum. Yep. How do you do one pay-per-view for the Boston Garden during that time? There must have been something to it with the Garden, you know, closing soon. True. Maybe, because I think it clo- well, closed up in, what, early 95? Might have been the last yeah. last hurrah for there. So, I don't know, maybe there was something to that. I had to close and, it out in style. Man, that was, you know, I'm I'm like 10 years old that year. I remember being like, "Oh, are we gonna get tickets? Are we gonna?" No, no, none, none of us wound up going, but it seemed pretty cool that it was happening right up the road, as it were, <laughs> right, right up the street. And what we're gonna do right now, we're gonna take a brief timeout. When we come back, we're gonna have more with the Silver Fox, and we're gonna tone it down a little bit. We're gonna talk about the Young Bucks, not Matt and Nick Jackson. I mean, Sean Silver's Young Bucks. We're gonna talk about the little ones. And I have a question about Sean, about what he would do if he was given an opportunity in wrestling today. What would be his role? We'll find that out later on during uh, this version of Heat because, I mean, it's what all the cool kids are doing. Hello, ladies. First Impressions. The first thing you hear before your favorite WWF superstar enters the arena. You smell what the rock is cooking. Now you can own the very same theme music today's hottest superstars take to the ring. WWF The Music Volume 3 features the greatest entrance music themes of the World Wrestling Federation's greatest superstars. To order, call 815-734-1161. Visit the WWF website or send $14.95 plus shipping and handling to the address on your screen. Make an impression. Order now. No time outs. No second chances. He's going on guts and instinct here. No relief. The humanity of it all. No escape. For the love of God. No way out. WWF No Way Out. February 27th on Pay-Per-View. All right, we're back here with Sean Silver. He's famous around... The New England Circles, 98.5 The Sports Hub, Boston oh, Celtics Radio Network. Oh, come on. <laughs> you know, I mean, hey, like Steve Carino said, get yourself over and don't stop until you're done. But <laughs> Hey, that's fair. That, that that's is true. Advice. Well, hey, he, he said it. I'm just repeating it. I'm glad that we were able to to connect. We got, we got more to come, and we're going to be doing something very special uh, with Sean for our next version. So stick around to our Twitter for that. Now, you can find Sean on Twitter at TheSilverFox, that's S-Y-L-V-E-R Fox, uh, and there's only one on Twitter, believe me, I checked. Let's go to the little guys. Let's go to your three-year-old and your one-year-old, and we talked about Mrs. Silver Fox, the illustrious yeah. Mrs. Silver Fox. Illustrious. Yes, earlier during this version, and you all took a family vacation recently. You went to... To Florida, unfortunately, Mickey Mouse uh, was not a part on the trip. But how did it feel to, in this COVID world, how did it feel to get out of the frozen tundra and get down to to Florida, a destination, a hot spot, as they call it? It was a nice change of scenery, I'll put it that way. 
know, everyone's got their opinions on COVID and what's been going on. And, you know, I'm going to let everybody be entitled to their own opinion on it. Yes. You know, I know that with with little kids, you know, we've been playing it pretty close to the vests and just trying to be you know safe and cognizant of everything that's been going on. With that sort of approach comes maybe a little less fun uh, than we're used to. It was kind of crazy because, you know, my kids still do go to daycare and, and Will tested positive in January. And, he, you know, he was a little sick. I was positive as well. So we both had it. You know, everybody in the house was kind of sick for a little bit. But we got better. And then we had a scheduled trip down south to, to go to Florida. And I saw my in-laws down there. They put us up for a few days. And it was just, you know, after going through that whole experience, you know, everybody kind of being sick us having to be home with the kids for a couple of weeks because we, you know, we couldn't do anything with them. Right. It was a nice elixir for the soul. Annie, who's my one-year-old, has gotten very, very needy because you know, we had we had to be home for a couple weeks straight, and she's just like, you know, she wasn't seeing anybody else. It was just me and her mom every day, and she's just like, comes up to you in the kitchen and she's like, hey, hey, pick me up, pick me up, you know, like. Not saying it because she's one, but she's right. she's telling you in other ways. So I just kind of started. If she starts running that mess with with her mom, I just come into the kitchen, I scoop her up, I put her up for the razor's edge, <laughs> I uh, I splash her down on the couch, and she gets a laugh out of it. And I'm like, you know what? Hey, if this helps break up a crying fit or you know some sort of complaining, then great, we're gonna do that. So lots of razor's edges for Annie. Power bombs in the pool for Will when we when we got down to Florida, and uh, you know we only spent a little bit of time down there, but now we're back up here, and it kind of feels like all right, hey, you know we're we're took the edge off a little bit. So appreciate you asking about the old family trip, Tony. It it, it went well. It went well. You take blessings in life any way you can get it, and especially in this case, like you said, you went through that little trip where you know everybody at one point or another got sick. And you all made it through and you decided to, yep. you know, get out of here, go to Florida, escape some storms up here and just yes. be able to break through a little bit and have some fun down there in a much better climate. And the fact that you, as somebody who admittedly has been beaten up by other family members during the course mm-hmm. of his life, decided to playfully do the same to his kids with power bombs and silver edges and <laughs> and the silver edge. Yes. The silver edge. And just to break the ice, whether it's, you know, crying or anything, just to get the smile, you know, on, on their face. And I think it's so important to, to get that because just like you're growing as a parent, they're growing as kids. So everybody is growing at their own individual pace and sometimes it's hard to match that but when you have you're able to to break the ice and bring wrestling into that forefront where hey this is fun i like being flipped around and you know just to have fun and you know i see my dad's trying to make me have fun i'm gonna have fun i'm gonna not be angry a little i'm gonna have some fun and i think i've done that with with my you know cousins and my little ones too so Yeah. You know, you know my, my little family members when they were kids. So it's just great to break the monotony and bringing the Dennis Wrestling Federation uh, to the <laughs> next generation. 
Yeah, we we have talked about the DWF. <laughs> yes. Um, again, you know, established by my older cousins, I I, I was mainly a job guy. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's funny today because you know you, you were the Dwayne about, Gill. Yeah. I, I you know I don't know maybe more of a Mario Mancini. Um, hey, I hey, mentioned Mario hey. Mancini because uh, my cousin Dan went to the New England School of Law and wound up in a class with the former Mario Mancini. <laughs> New uh, England pursuing his legal degree as well. New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Famer Mario Mancini. <laughs> Mario Mancini. So yes, yeah, it's, it's funny we we have daily conversations about former whatever you want to call him WWE enhancement talent. As my man James Stewart from 98.5 would say, local wrestler, um, <laughs> you know, whatever way you want to characterize, you know, a guy who would do the grace of doing the job on Superstars or Challenge or whatever growing up. We just have an ongoing conversation about these guys, the legendary guys who would take the avalanche from King Kong Bundy or the tombstone from the taker or whatever it is. Speaking of the tombstone from the Taker, yeah. uh, Mancini took it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. There's a GIF, I believe, online of, of which I've shared with uh, with my cousins as we've had these conversations. Yeah, Will and Annie, like, yeah, last couple of years, hey, throw some wrestling moves in the mix. <laughs> uh, it's, it's made a lot of fun. Will uh, does, I won't say I've taught him the sunset flip. <laughs> he, does a ver- he does a version of it with Dad. I've also taught him, you know, got to kick out of the sunset flip as well. Right. So um, the fun thing, you know, it'll be like bedtime and I'll be, hey, dad, dad, can we do sunset flip? And I'll be like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, buddy, let's go. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Again, Tony, you, you hit the nail on the head. And so many things in life had to pause, you know, in, in, right. in your case, you know, like live events, events that, you know, you would be working. Things have gotten paused and canceled. Life goes on. These kids are growing up. It's a responsibility and it's a real joy to like try and find that fun stuff on an everyday basis. Now, before we continue with the, with the family, you did touch upon Mr. Uh, J. Stu. Yeah. Jimmy Stewart, the acclaimed program director of 98.5 The Sports Hub of uh, Felgrim Mass. But, you know, don't ask me. He'll tell you. And I've been to events with Mr. J. Stu and uh, Mr. Mm-hmm. Mike Sarge Riley. Mm-hmm. Now, I would not consider myself part of the Kowloon crew. Mm-hmm. Although Andy probably has known me longer than both of them. But, <laughs> but don't tell Jimmy Stewart that. It'll break his heart. But, <laughs> You know, and I've seen them. They've come out to some events that I have have been working at, and sure. you know, they do have a podcast, a wrestling podcast through the Beasley Media Group, which definitely you should be able to check them out. But Absolutely. that's but that's after this one. Let me ask you, as a coworker of them, and of course I have to put in. Now I, I get them confused. Which one of the Murrays is part of the group? Is it Jim Murray or Joe Murray? Is in the crew. Yes. Joe would be the wrestling fan. Bingo. Okay. But I, I would say that Jim is very much Kowloon. I mean, he's a yeah. Melrose native. Oh, well, sure. Uh, and, a, you know, a guy who very much loves the Cow. I mean, who doesn't love the Kowloon? Exactly. It, it took me, again, you know, Sean Silver never got out the peninsula. It took me living a couple of years in Medford in my early 20s 
to figure out what the heck the Kowloon was. <laughs> and now and you found boy, out. Oh boy, you know, like you missed out. That was hey, that was a life changer. I I, I haven't looked back. Joe uh, guests on uh, Inside the Ropes with James and uh, Mike, and uh, does his his wrestling hits as well. So yeah. You actually dropped a bombshell on me earlier today before we started recording. Is it true that you've been in the actual squared circle? <laughs> well, certainly not in the capacity, you know, that you have. Oh, come on. <laughs> uh, for a, you know, where your performance is being you know, judged, where, you know, the things that you do the the outcome of the event and the satisfaction of the fans hinges upon um, you doing your job. So you know th- this is not Sean Silver saying that I'm a wrestler. Uh, this is not me saying that I am anything greater than I purport to be as a you know nearly 39 year old sports radio host. Which, by uh, the way, he is great. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I, I did uh, step inside the squared circle, and it was a local indie promotion, actually, that gave me the opportunity to do so. In 2002, I was a sophomore at Stonehill College in Easton, Massachusetts. We had a couple guys on campus who were really into wrestling, and they wanted to bring a promotion through. So they basically co-sponsored this event, and they brought the ACW, American Championship Wrestling, was a promotion. I think at one point they had a Wikipedia. I'm not even sure who was in charge of that or any of the acts. If you go on like the internet archive, the Wayback Machine, I think there's an entry and there's some interesting stuff. I I tried to figure out like, did any of these guys go on to, you know, to do anything else or like, are they still wrestling? What's the deal? So we had a card in the Stonehill College sports complex and the main event Featured Chris Candido, managed by Sonny. All right. Facing a guy, I think his name was like the Golden Greek. Alex uh, Arion. Oh, there you go. Boom. Nailed it. I knew you would know this sort of stuff. <laughs> I've worked with Alex many times. I would love to look down through the rest of this card and see how many guys you know or have worked with who are on this card. So ACW came. Captain Lou Albano was there. I believe he managed Alex Arion in the main event, but the premise of, and this is how I get to the cut to the chase here, silver. So they did a tough enough competition at the college where they would select students who had a gimmick. Right. And put them in an elimination tag team match for like the co-main event. So I created a character known as the golden child, not the Eddie Murphy movie from the eighties. Nope. The Golden Child had had a long and illustrious career, but he'd had many, many surgeries and was looking for one last shot at the top. He was kind of like a hybrid of, well, everything I do is a hybrid of the macho man and I don't know, just think of somebody who's really old and beaten down. Maybe the macho man circa like, remember like there was a part of a time in the 90s where every Randy Savage match, it seemed like he had a knee injury. Oh, so that would be between 97 and 99. Right? He just he spent his whole time on the mat, you know, <laughs> just got beat up and he'd small package somebody for the win. Right. Basically, it was that myself and a few people who would become friends got selected to be in the match. The week of the event, we trained in the gymnasium, learned how to take bumps and planned out a script for the event, who was going to get eliminated, you know, and how and in what succession and when it came time, the golden child got tagged in, 
got a sneaky roll-up of a fellow wrestler, and then uh, went to town on the next jabroni in the ring, but was distracted by outside interference and nailed with an illegal foreign object and wrapped up like a stiff and pinned. <laughs> One of those international objects. <laughs> <laughs> That was the end for the Golden Child. I was on the winning team. However, I was not one of the uh, survivors at the end of the elimination match. But it was fun. Some of the guys from the promotion you know, helped us learn how to bump. Basic bumping that you yeah. can learn in a couple of days. And how to figure it out. A bunch of kids came down and, and watched it and had a good time. Had a good Saturday night. How did it feel? Because not a lot of people know what the feeling is like not just to do particular moves yeah but what is it like to actually step into a ring what's that feeling like it was everything i ever wanted <laughs> it was <laughs> i mean you know I, I told you about the mouthy kid who you know like went through sixth grade thinking he was a pro wrestler like yes you know just in all of my interactions it was a rush, and I mean, what were there? 300 people there, you know? It's like the biggest validation you've ever had in your life. It was so cool. Coming out, you know, I, I forget what we had for entrance music or whatever, but coming out, the music's blaring. I'm gesturing all over the place, you know, like, <laughs> again, doing some sort of hybrid Randy Savage impersonation uh, and just having a great time. I got to do the top rope, uh, or excuse me, you climb up the second rope and punch the guy in the head 10 oh, times. You, oh, you did that. Nice. I did that spot, you know, just jumping around in the ring, like climbing up and raising your arms from the second turnbuckle. Like what a feeling that was, it was freaking awesome. There is video evidence of this. I'm not showing it to you or anybody else. I don't, I don't blame you. You keep that I am, forever. <laughs> I'm at that point, like in top physical condition, six, four, like, 196 you know there's not much to me i do not look like a wrestler right but i was having a great time it was really cool nothing like validation <laughs> like you're walking down the aisle to the ring and it's almost like you close your eyes even for that split second you think you're in madison square garden it was amazing <laughs> and, and i'll be completely honest with you like i have in one form or another have been wearing a striped shirt as a referee since I've been 13 years old. No way. For some strange reason, I wanted to be a referee since then. I, yeah. I don't understand why. It was one of those things where, you know, I, I was just a crazy fan. All of a sudden, I was, one day I was doing referee counts in my room, and the next minute I'd be going to sports. I mean, I was refereeing uh, at the time. Some middle schools and high schools, just to break the monotony, they would do uh, student-teacher basketball games. Yeah. So I would be, and I did it for both my years in middle school, and then I think three out of four years in high school. And because I was wearing the referee shirt, and I did, I did not care. I mean, I would wear, you know, my black sneakers, my jeans, and my referee shirt as my actual clothes underneath my other stuff. And I would just wear it just to not care, just to stand out and be unique. And then all of a sudden, student-teacher yeah. game would show up. Hey, we need an extra ref. And hey, he can ref. And I would just ref. I you know, I didn't know what the hell I was doing at the time, but I, did. I, I ended up doing it. And somehow, 
for whatever reason, I'm in the wrestling business refereeing. And, but you're right. Like to me, just getting the chance to be, you know, in a ring, no matter how big or small, it's such a validation because it kind of reminds you of, even if it's a small step, it reminds you of why you love this damn business in the first place. Yeah. And to me, that's, you know, anything, you know, you can ever ask for. Like the, the moment, the moment I stop feeling that rush of what it's like to get in the ring, I won't do it anymore. <laughs> you know, even going through the curtain, like going through the curtain, is such an adrenaline rush that it, you can't really describe it. Before we close the interview, two more questions for you. And I appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to, to join me here. Tony, let, this is the fun stuff, man. I'm like, <laughs> hey, I'm learning about you. Like, let me just, you know, before you, you hit me with, with the question, like, let me just say I'm a, a wrestling appreciator, you know, and that's, that's just, I'm not, I'm not going to come out like the still real to me, damn it guy, but who I've met, by the way, you have, <laughs> yes, I have, I have met Dave. Wow. I was in. Uh, Charlotte, North Carolina last year for the gathering, which used to be the NWA Legends Fan Fest convention. Mm. So I was down there because I was doing graphics work for a couple of places. I was doing it for the convention. I was I did the logo and the poster, and so yeah. I was able to go down there. And it was my first time in Charlotte, and Dave who is a fixture in North Carolina wrestling. He knows a lot of the uh, veteran talents that were there. I know he knows uh, Barbarian and Curtis Hughes real well. Cool. And, no, he was there. He was there for the whole four days, and, you know, we got to talk a little bit. And, you know, he was at the big, you know, wrestling show, wrestling convention. I know he said he was going to be there this year for the – convention but yeah i was able to talk to him a little bit you know real nice guy and you know he i mean obviously he's you know he he looks a little bit more uh slimmer he doesn't do the crying thing (laughs) now but just be able to 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 meet him and talk to him and you know it was real cool you know i I like dave and you know definitely follow him uh give him a follow on twitter yeah (laughs) but yeah it's real cool now i will say this you did mention a little bit ago about you know, you were going to, you know, conventions and, you know, whether it's a wrestling convention or, or any kind of convention where celebrities are going to be there, you know, if you're able to, to go, I encourage you to, to do it. it. It gives you a chance to be, you know, personal with them, get a picture yeah. with them, an autograph with them, you know, support them, you know, and even with the, the old number, I wouldn't say old, but even with the old, with the veterans, yes. you know, they still you know, do it. Uh, Harlem Heat did one a couple of months ago. Hell yeah. Um, who was there? Harlem Heat, Colonel Mustafa, and his, not, well, not really Colonel Mustafa, uh, General Adnan. General, General Adnan. Adnan. In his, in his, uh, Billy in, White Wolf. Yes. Jacques Rougeau was there. Oh. Uh, Mr. Can't, can't say Bob. Mr. Bob Backlund. Yes. Uh, Tatanka, Danny Davis, the we'll former Val Venus. So. Uh, Tatanka. Tatanka was actually a high school friend of my cousin Lanny. Really? Uh, from Virginia or North Carolina or wherever, you know, they grew up together. 
you know, again, Cape Cod, Sean, not a lot of good geography. I just knew my cousin lived, <laughs> lived away. That was a cool thing. I had I had some signed Tatanka stuff that that Lanny hooked myself and my cousins up oh, with. Wow. He was on his big run. I think I still have a WrestleMania Revenge Tour T-shirt Ooh. with Tatanka's signature on it uh, somewhere in the in the foxhole here. Like you're saying, I am an appreciator of you know j- just to like set foot in it, to set foot in the ring, to talk to people who are in the industry. It's just such a privilege for me because it's something that is entertained the hell out of me, and yet it eludes me in a way. It's there's something so romantic to me about being involved in the wrestling industry, and yeah, I know that part of that romance, if you're, you know, if you're out there working, like it's it's going to break up your body, and it's 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 not easy stuff. Let's jump real quick into today. If if you were given an opportunity in wrestling today what would be sean silver's role what would be your role would you be a wrestler a manager would you be a commentator maybe behind the scenes what would sean silver's role be in the wrestling business today it's crazy man because it's all about you know your personal mentality and you know you're a guy you want to wear the stripes you know you you get the opportunity to get that rush and do that and you know i respect that uh, one of my good friends who, you know, basically like spurred my re interest in wrestling maybe 15 years ago, uh, my buddy Patrick, we were in that elimination match at Stono College many, many years ago. And then when we moved in together as roommates a number of years ago after college. That's when we you know, got WWE classics on demand. You know, yes. we both had jobs. We were like, all right, let's get let's get some cool channels on our cable here that watching prime time watching old tnt <laughs> tony oh, yes the, the the greatest thing ever is paul christie's appearance on tnt are you aware of what this is <laughs> oh my god i have not seen that episode of tnt in it's, a long time it's it's a classic disaster um oh, we, we got we got such a kick out of paul christie on tnt but i asked patrick once Hey, and we're in our 20s at this point. And he's like, hey, you know, if you could get a job with WWE, if you could do like tough enough and you could be a wrestler, would you do it? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, really? You'd put yourself through that? And he was like, hell yeah, because the payoff is like, it'd be freaking amazing. I was like, I don't know if I could be a wrestler. Now, I had back surgery when I was 27. <laughs> you know, there, there have been some physical maladies for me, and now I'm pushing 40. So I couldn't ever see myself. Even though, man, that rush that it, at the Stono College gym uh, was so good. I couldn't see myself as that. But major appreciator of the managers, Tony. I feel like there's a role for managers in this day and age. Yes, sir. Oh, to be a manager, I'd love to get that heat. Sean Silver, as a manager, you don't, you rarely would have to take bumps. Maybe one bump every two years or so. That would that would be fine. Even give me like your your Heenan like one bump a card. You know, again, just one one bump, fine. The, hopefully, I won't have to get neck surgery. But I'd I'd even be an active manager. But just the kind of shit that you could stir up in that role. And again, this podcast is heat. It is all about the heat, and that is the manager's role. You are the heat magnet, baby. Oh, <laughs> you at this point. We, we would kind of have to make that happen in some kind of a guest capacity. One last question before we close the version 
This may be a little bit personal, but it's in-depth, and that's what the, this show is all about. Earlier, we talked about your your little ones, your young bucks, and we talked about uh, the misses. We talked about parenthood. We talked about family. If you had words to define Sean Silver, obviously, because, you know, we're all, everybody's being looked at, everybody's being judged and noticed, whether it's social media or otherwise. But if you had a dictionary and somebody was coming up to you and decided to pick it up and open the book and check out those pages, and if the first few words were the hook, what words would define the silver support system? And more importantly, you. What words would define you? So you mean like the tower of power, too sweet to be sour, funky like a monkey, sky's the limit, and space is the place. Ooh, yeah. Damn, that's good. <laughs> I don't know about that. No, hey, Tony, I just, I just want to have the caption under my picture say, you know, a nice person. I hope that the acts that me and my family are doing are construed at, by other people, you know, to be kind, to be nice. And, and I want to bring my kids up to practice kindness in any way that they can. That's the kind of dap that I've gotten from wrestling over the years. My older cousins who didn't have to play with their little cousin. And maybe there was a little bit of malice in it, you know, because it's like, hey, we could put him up for the heart attack clothesline or something like that. And he won't give too much resistance. Sharing that with them, developing a love of wrestling and, and other sports with them. And then over time, getting to meet some of these guys, getting to, to show some love for them and like getting it back, you know, feeling the appreciation of the performers for their fans. Like that cyclical thing, that circular thing of, of trying to put goodness out there and hopefully getting some of it back. That's what I'm all about. That's kind of always been what I'm all about. And that may seem trite or whatever, but like everything I'm doing, I'm just trying to be a good, helpful person every day of my life. So. That's where it's at. That's the kind of family we're, we're trying to have over here. And the fact that you were able to share those memories with not just me, but everybody who, who's listening, I think those words define you perfectly. And they define the little ones, they define the, the misses, and they certainly define you. If you want to know more about Sean, of course, follow him on Twitter. Of course, you don't get the same access that I do, but hey, follow him anyway. Um, you can follow Sean on Twitter at the Silver Fox. Please do. He's a he's a great follower. And if you want to hear the melodious tones of somebody who's not shy on his sports opinions, they're not takes, they're opinions. That's right. There's a difference there. You can check Sean out on 98.5 The Sports Hub especially for the Boston Celtics radio network. That's where you'll mostly be able to find Sean Silver. Sean, you have an open forum right here on this show whenever the hell you want. (laughs) (laughs) You want to be nostalgic? You want to watch wrestling? You want to shoot the rewind stuff? You're more than welcome to come back on. You know, as somebody who's, you know, hey, we live in the same state. We're an hour away. We've been conversing and we've been trying to do this for a while. And I'm glad even on a Wednesday night without waking up the young bucks that we were able to do this. And I'm really glad and really blessed that you were able to share 
your story to to us here. So again, you talk about being a wrestling appreciator. I appreciate you coming on. Truly. Oh, thank you. Hey, I I appreciate you extending the generosity to me. Like you said, you know, we're only an hour away. I expect to see you out of the show one of these uh one of these days and uh you know, it's it's only onward and upward from here. But yeah, this is fun. This is this is all about. This is all about showing love for the things we love and talking about the reasons why. So that's that's a great thing and I'm excited to uh got a chance to be here on Heat. And and also one last thing, give people their flowers when they're due. That's a big thing here and I'm glad that Sean was able to do it and his world famous macho man impression again the bee's knees i'm telling you i can't even come up with that even if i tried <laughs> even if i tried and believe me oh I no Tony. i heard <laughs> a little something from me earlier and i was digging it yeah <laughs> i don't like when you're uh yeah putting me on the spot right there i mean wait uh, a minute wait a minute Wait a minute. Wait, is this uh, is a little Steve Kern, Matt Bourne action right here? Don't the clown, yeah. Yeah, a little, uh, rubber, uh, little rubber nose green hair. I mean, that wouldn't look good on somebody like me, but the madness, uh, really like what you're putting down there. And, yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, maybe it's a little time for uh, an attitude adjustment. I'm not talking about the John Cena finisher. No, I'm talking about a macho man with the rubber nose. Yeah, just... Showing up at kids' parties. Boo! <laughs> what a, I'm telling you, if there's no better way to end this than that, I don't know what is. I love it. <laughs> that 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 should just be a preview in and of itself. And we're gonna have <laughs> we're gonna have something special with Sean. So definitely follow us on uh, Heat on the Silver Fox, and it's gonna be all around the uh, the podcast platforms and the video scopes and all that. So. Get ready for it. And again, an absolute pleasure. Great fun, Tony. I'm throwing up the peace sign. This has been great. Once again, our thanks to Sean Silver of 98.5 The Sports Hub FM Radio in Boston and the Boston Celtics Radio Network. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at The Silver Fox. And don't worry, Sean will be back right here on Heat, the wrestling podcast, next week for version 14 as The Rewind returns. And ladies and gentlemen, this one is in the history books. Thank you so much for checking us out here on version 13 of Heat, the wrestling podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Referee Tony S, the show at The Heat Pod. And if you have a question and would like for me to answer it in future versions, send your questions into The Heat Pod at gmail.com. Once again, we're on all podcast platforms. And if applicable, please put a four or five star review for this podcast. It is greatly appreciated. And again, thank you so much for your support. Have a great, safe, and blessed weekend, everybody. And we'll catch you right back here for version 14 as the rewind returns. We'll see you next week. <laughs>